folks. We're here for uh, another feedback episode. I know we said we'd do less of these, but we're still doing a few of them. And uh, boy, you guys definitely had a lot of feedback for our last episode with yeah. Maria. That was a uh, that was a real fun time. That was an absolute pleasure talking to her and learning from her and mm-hmm. all of her studies. And yeah, many of you written in and a lot of great questions and just a lot of people appreciating the fact that she did her study in the first place and took the time to get to know us and, and she know us quite well, almost probably almost better than we know ourselves in some ways. Yeah, it's a little creepy. Was, yeah, <laughs> she, she did a fantastic job. So and Maria, if you're listening, uh, thank you. Once again, that was a, an absolute treat. But yep, uh, sure. before we get to all of her feedback, just quickly maybe touch on, uh, we did an episode with Jeff Morris on apologetics, which yeah, a, lot it was, of, a lot of people said they enjoyed that one as well too. Yes, yeah, super, uh, super fun to do. I, I really love doing the research for that one too. Like, yeah. Going ahead of time, like, actually like learning all this stuff and we definitely like the feedback that we got given there was not not a lot of questions because it's hard to hard to ask questions unless you're like studying the stuff you have to take um, an hour to send in a question oh really like it's thick stuff yes but people really appreciated the the depth of it and then also like um just opening their mind to a new a new way of looking at like actually proving your faith or or you know coming close to it or whatever so yeah but yeah it was awesome so yeah just seeing like um from from first principles like all the natural theology stuff that he talked about and like the different arguments and, and going all through all that so people really appreciated that so uh yeah i hope everyone enjoyed that if you haven't listened to that one uh you know recommend definitely go back and listen to that one that was uh that was a lot of fun to do too definitely um, and if you got more questions uh if you, if you want to send them in later send them in and we can flip them over to jeff and he can he can have at them if uh, if they're pretty detailed which i would think they would be if you're sending feedback on that episode but uh, yeah, without further ado, we should probably move on to to the feedback from Maria's because uh, there was uh, some really good questions and Maria took the time to send us some, some answers. So we should definitely do them justice and, and kind of work through them. So yeah, this for- was this is super unique because it was like uh, a total outsider. We like we had never talked to Maria before this, obviously. And, uh, and you know, most people that listen, yeah. were like, where did you find Maria? Yeah, out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, OK, fair enough. And then. Uh, but she's been so responsive, so you know, she's been great just uh, responding to our questions and, and then being really trying to be really clear with, like, the angles that she came at everything from and, like, yeah, yeah really fair, really methodical. So it was a, really good. For sure. So I guess the big one uh, a lot of you want to know, uh, when and where can can you read her manuscript and, and everything she's written? Like, we're all excited to. Yeah. So um, basically the short answer is uh, not yet. It could take a couple months. It's still under review at the University of Ottawa, um, but it will be available uh, for free uh, to everybody. Mm-hmm. There's no no embargo on it or anything like that. Um, and Maria is going to contact us once it's out, and yep. we will definitely uh, yeah share it across our network. Yeah, we'll definitely send it around, and hopefully, I this in the back of my head, I'm thinking we should get someone, we should get Mike or somebody to audio record it, and we'll just oh, throw yeah. it on our throw it on the pod so people can like listen to it. That would, be, that would be interesting, yeah. We could so talk that to we don't, about that. You know, not everyone's got to sit down and read it. We can listen to it in our cars. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. That would be quite useful. Because I think it's going to be super useful. I'm really excited to see the engagement that it gets from uh, some of the, you know, maybe from our college or uh, from some of the ministers in our churches. Um, see how useful of a resources this is going to end up being. So, Because, um, totally. yeah, when we, we read through, what did we get? Maria sent us, like, the... She didn't send us the whole thing, but she sent us Intro. her method, methodology. Yeah. Yeah. So like the whole, uh, how she went about it, uh, chapter and then a couple other ones, but mostly abstract and stuff. So like we got a good gist for it before we did that episode. Yep. 
Yeah. But the methodology chapter, like we read through that front to back and that was like, what, like eight pages, nine pages or something crazy. And the amount of detail, like detailed thought that goes into a study like that, because it's not a quantitative study, it's like a qualitative study, you know, like mm-hmm. interpreting what someone's saying. Yeah. Like the amount of study that or goes into like actually how to, you know, keep everything anonymous and, and also like how to analyze like, you know, who's saying what and what is actually the truth. It's really fascinating. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely appreciate all her, uh, you know, her being thorough on that. So that it becomes a good resource for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe moving on to, to the next question here that we got, mm-hmm. um, what blind or weak spots does the Kerensky church have that we could address? So uh, Maria wrote back and, and kind of answered this one as well. So I'll, I'll kind of summarize. Otherwise, we'll be here all day if I read everything she read. <laughs> yeah, they say it. She is nothing if not thorough. Yeah. So um, basically, she says um, she studied the school system and not our church specifically. Mm-hmm. Although, of course, she had to do a tremendous amount of research into the Canterbury churches to do the study on the school system. Um, but yeah, basically, she she said she preferred to. Um, she, she referred to the teachings that took place, and she said, I did not question or comment on any of the practices or approaches, rather just describe them uh, mm. to provide the reader with a clear understanding of what these churches teach and what they teach in their schools as well. So Yeah, it's a rather like academic approach to to the material, not you know, interpreting it or, or saying, you know, trying to just present the bare facts. Yeah. Like here's what they say on sex ed or, or uh, gay straight alliances or yeah, any right. sort of other <clears throat> hot button issues that, that might be taught and, and whatnot. So at the same time, uh, she also says she distinguished between the Federation of Canadian and American Reformed churches and the theology associated with that and the teachings and then individual local Canadian Reformed churches. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's a, yeah, a, a fair amount of diversity amongst different local churches within the Federation yeah. on anything from, you know, types of music and instruments or women voting and, and congregational elections, uh, mission types of mission efforts, uh, local and abroad, uh, even just volunteering to do, do more stuff in community or, or more stuff in the church, that kind of thing too. So lots of different approaches that people take, uh, and there's a wide variety of, of opinions and views on that, mm-hmm. just within even the Canterbury Federation. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's pretty important because then you know she distinguished the federation itself as a whole and and what the beliefs may be inside the federation from the local church. So um, she said that like the interviewees um, were necess- could be necessarily um, shaped by the local church that they were in and not necessarily by the federation's, you know instantiated views per se and people recognize that too she found that yeah. that people would refer to oh those people over in the x church yeah. do this, this which i'm way. sure was like a very open open conversation eh? like yes. since it was anonymous everyone's like i'm gonna maybe vent. getting some things off their chest or something <laughs> yeah um but but yeah no i think it's like it, it actually gives a good picture of of um maybe what's what's alive or like the you know the differences between the the specific local churches so yeah. So basically, to, to summarize this, I guess she did, she she kind of hesitates to give a solid solid answer just because she doesn't feel it's her place to say. Mm-hmm. But her general impression is there is a wide variety of approaches just within the federation itself. Um, and to again, like those issues I mentioned, right? Different churches do different things. Yeah, differently. And then, and then she mentioned it was gonna sh- that that kind of shapes the education in the schools mm-hmm. in those areas. Yep. So I guess where that comes to a front would be like a, a school like Kido where you're bringing everyone in, and and then like an elementary school could be a lot different, you know, from Hamilton to you know 
in deep Niagara. <laughs> we'll call yeah. it Dunville or whatever. Uh, Attercliffe. That would be the school. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, again, pretty academic way of looking at it, but, um, yeah. which, we'll get to some which juicier is, stuff later. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. <laughs> to keep no, but I mean, that's shit. a good thing for, for her because now we can, you know, just speaking from a member of our community, we can actually take this seriously as, as a, a point of research, right? Yeah. So, all right. All right. Uh, next question here. Uh, I'll, I'll probably just read most of this question. So it's pretty well worded. Mm. Maria focused almost exclusively on the Canterse denomination, although she talked about the CRC a bit and mentioned the URC in passing a couple times. Uh, this person writes in, uh, writes in rather saying they have many connections within the Canterse, but currently attend a, a URC church. Um, are Maria's findings specific to the Canterse or generally applicable to other Orthodox Reformed denominations? Um, did she come to any conclusions about how these denominations are culturally different and or similar to each other? And do these various Orthodox Reformed denominations work together? Or are they just isolated from each other as they are from the broader Christian community or world? Yeah, so there's a bunch in there for sure. Yeah, so um, she says, um, well, I'll read most of this too, honestly. Uh, it's, it's This one's pretty tight. Good good yeah. answer. While planning my field work, I thought that my target groups covered all types of participants, which are significant for my research. During the interview process, I realized that adding interviewees from other Reformed churches with Dutch roots would benefit my study. Thus, once uh, one, yeah, sorry. Thus, one of my thesis subsections investigates the evolution of Dutch Reformed churches' approach to pluralism and openness to interfaith dialogue during the last four decades. Inclusion of experience in the interfaith dialogue of the CRC churches of North America, the Christian Reform that is, and the United Reformed Churches of North America adds new perspectives and a better understanding of the broader Dutch Calvinist vision of interfaith relations. So out of her 64 interviewees total, um, nine of those were members of the CRC and two of them were URC. Um, yeah, we're basically interviewed for the study. Given that the research is dedicated to the Canadian Reform community with its unique history, theology, and separate long-standing institutions, she says, I did not think it would be correct for me as an outsider to make any generalizations or, and project the findings on other Reform communities. However, Maria says, she believes that the research might be of interest to other members in other Reform denominations who might see similarities in their communities. Mm -hmm. So, basically... She doesn't want to project, but there certainly could be a fair amount of similarity. And that would, again, depend on if it's, you know, URC, probably a lot more similarity and, and even the CRC to a large extent as well. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of that point. And there. most of it was in Ontario, too. So that may the relationships even between the different federations in different areas might be different, too. So yeah, I mean, that's it's partly why, you know, she didn't want to speculate against all yeah, you know, all over. So honestly, like the <laughs> listeners, like wherever you're from, um, will be able to answer that question better. Just hearing what she pulled out of the mm -hmm. Canterse churches. If you're a URC listener or a CRC or whatever, FRC, whatever particular uh, federation you're from, or any of the Australian churches, uh, yeah, shout out to. Yeah. Uh, I know we have a few Australian listeners too. Oh yeah, which is kind of neat. I think this Anyways. question came out of BC, but um, yeah. the what was I going to say? Yeah, I think. Um, when studying the, the CAN-RC, um, she came at it from like a pretty historical standpoint too, right? So she like followed the, our trail. That's kind of how she got here, she said, right? Um, she seemed, I think she said she followed Kuiper here. Yeah. Um, and that, 
yeah, so John Kelvin to Kuiper and Kuiper to, you know, the CanRC churches. So I guess the path to get to some of these other denominations is different. So it's hard to say if any, everything here applies, but, yeah. um, and I guess that's why she doesn't want to, you know, say it. But take it for what it's worth. I think it's, uh, you know, her research is going to be applicable to a lot of people. For you know, sure. Especially those ones that are like, are still Dutch churches, right? Like, like a lot of URC churches are still like primarily, I think, a Dutch reformed church. Yep. Totally. There's definitely a fair amount of similarities there. So maybe it's like more crit criticisms are going to take out of it than they're, they're yeah. positive. <laughs> it depends on your perspective, I suppose. Like, yeah, but. I guess so. Okay. Um, on to the next question here. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll, again, I'll just read this verbatim. Towards the end of the podcast, Maria envisioned increased diversity for our schools, like it is emerging for the churches. And what she missed completely was the need to look at the underlying foundations, the Christian principles that uphold the community. Increased diversity may be good, but it can also lead to increased division, developing stereotypes, which Maria is very aware of, and community breakdown. So uh, Maria says, uh, fair point, she recognizes this, and this obviously highlights the tensions and disagreements in the community <clears throat> in how people approach Christian education in schools and uh, how, how and whether certain topics should be taught. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, being aware that this is obviously a generalization, Participants uh, that she had in her study observed uh, very clearly the difference between rural and urban churches, and that also gets mirrored in the school as well. And she, she included a quote from, uh, from one of her people uh, who were interviewed that demonstrates that point exactly. Mm. Um, and then she goes on to say, I agree members of the community strongly aim to work together to ensure certain consistency of approaches and also staying faithful to the underlying foundations. For example, in the Canadian Reformed Schools, children from more progressive urban churches and more conservative rural churches meet in one classroom. You know, a good example of that is, is obviously Guido. <clears throat> uh, in this situation, it is often very hard, the interviewees told Maria, to find a happy medium or middle ground. And this is a quote uh, from the study from one of her interviewees. Uh, it says, I saw this conflict between the different opinions when urban people wanted to be more open-minded and the other half were more conservative. So there were a lot of tensions about that. How do you teach sex ed, for example? How do you teach art? How do you teach music? Uh, when half of your class is more in touch with secular society, whereas the other half is not. And that's again, a quote from an interviewee. Mm -hmm. um, but the leadership of the parents ends up being, quote, a beautiful balance, uh, says another respondent in the study, because parents have to work together to other views heard and understood. They might represent various sides of the spectrum in the CanRef uh, viewpoints. And then another quote here again from uh, another person interviewed in the study. People who are insular and protective of the reformed worldview have a different way of doing things than people who feel that worldview should be spread far and wide. And they need to work together. People in the middle work to facilitate the discussion and it is working well because both sides need to be balanced. And a board chair is a key person to do that, to balance those tensions that would come up in a school where you have a diverse range of understandings of what should be happening. The principal is another balancer because he is one who generally will have to talk to students and deal with a lot of parents one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. That's a quote from an interviewee that Maria had. Uh, so then she goes on to make a final comment on this herself. She says, I believe that some level of diversification is inevitable. Recently, the Canadian Reform community has demonstrated social and political pluralism while standing differently on certain issues such as diversity of student population and religious schooling, the role of women in the community, and voting for different parties across the political spectrum. Yeah, that's an interesting answer, too. So, hmm. basically, the diversity 
is inevitable. It's here already. And I think it's, it probably will keep growing as just, I mean, the world, the world's getting increasingly diverse. And I, I don't mean like ethically well, so much as just definitely like our context, opinions. Right? Um, I, maybe she goes on to do this later, but she said, um, I think she said in the interview or in the uh, podcast that she said possibly the student body will become uh, a more a more open um, idea than, but the but the teachers will be still uh, guarded as as reformed or yeah, can't or, see yeah. or U or C or something. Um, <clears throat> which is I thought it was interesting. Like that's that's um, that's definitely like if you if you're um, leaning that way, that's probably the the way. Uh, You'd think it would get would it go. I'm curious about this though. Like from uh, she mentioned, like she mentions the urban rural. Like we've talked about that before too. Yeah, we chatted about that with Mike. Um, and you know the difference between like conservative and liberal mindsets and personality types and stuff. Yeah. Um, you definitely see that in in here in some of these these quotes and comments and stuff. You definitely see that that's alive. That's a um, that's something that people are you know not necessarily struggling with, but definitely something that they're contending with when they come across issues like this. So. Yeah, there's always a healthy yeah. tension there, mm -hmm. no matter what the issue is, really, church-related or school-related. So always... to, to her point, though, because I think her like her thesis was about how we prepare graduates for graduates. Uh, Graduons, gra they always like Graduons? to say. Graduons? Yeah. For, um, like for life outside of our, or not outside our community, but out past high school age yeah. into post-secondary post and then into their, their life, you know, being integrated into a, pluralistic society mm -hmm. um i think like if you take this approach of like having you know what she's describing here is is like a, a pretty balanced view where we're you know we're taking both uh the conservative and liberal um ways of looking at the, the student body that it becomes kind of a good transition between your local elementary school and then like the post-secondary secular post-secondary school that kind of it kind of brings in the next like element for say somebody who's like you know a little bit more uh what are you sheltered sure yeah uh, that's me i was yeah. like you know, yeah sure the little sheltered kid but like yeah i think that's that's probably good um yeah totally but yeah i mean we'll, people can people can make their own uh we can continue to struggle on with yeah, that the, their community the feedback is on your life for sure yeah all right, uh, we'll jump to the next question here because there's a fair amount of feedback to get through still. Mm -hmm. We'll make this uh, succinct enough that people will listen to it. Um, <laughs> so another listener wrote in, a younger listener, saying, I was really curious if she found that people really knew why the Canadian Reform exists, uh, i.e. the theological roots of our federation. Uh, she mentioned that Class Skilder is a huge figure in the history of our church, but I find most people our age don't know who he is or why we started our own churches back in the 1940s in Canada instead of joining the CRC, which was a fairly faithful denomination at the time. So I guess the question is, do people you interviewed know why the Canadian Reformed exist as compared to other federations, and do they think it's for a good reason? So Maria, I'm assuming the person's our age, right? Yeah, that's what I said. As a younger listener, I believe. Oh, so I got group myself in there with the young crowd. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, we could like tell people who these people are, but I'm not sure if they're comfortable with that. So yeah, yeah. like just for going forward, if people write in, yeah. if you want to be uh, given a shout out or something, let us know. We're happy to do that. <laughs> yeah, no there problem. you go. We just put your name in here. Yeah, and have you on as the next guest. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. I don't know. Like if from this question, I don't think you know. Whatever we're doing this podcast, I don't. I don't think I could. I couldn't tell you what these. You know how class skilled there was like. You know the major figure i couldn't really tell you like yeah, how what, he differed like in a nuanced way from other people 
Yeah. Um, even though I know like, yeah, maybe some things about why we are a federation, but yeah. Well, Maria gave a pretty substantial answer on this one. I will probably flip it directly to the listener who sent in the question. But for the sake of the podcast and for time, I will summarize. Um, so, so Maria writes back to say, I did not ask a question about the church, but I asked questions about the reasons for establishing and the establishment and preservation of separate schools, theological aspects and the parents' baptismal promise, as well as the Dutch reformed habit of having parallel systems of institutions mm-hmm. and a couple other factors influenced the decision to create and maintain their own schools, along with the fact that the evolution of other Christian schooling towards uh, becoming more interdenominational was not seen as the right pathway by the Canadian Canadian reform people. Yeah. And she talked about like the triangle of like in the podcast. Like, yeah. It was like homes, church, school. And you know, the CRC funny. wasn't like, going that way. That was amazing. I, I like, we, I heard that a lot more as kids than I have in recent years, but like that, that triangle, you know, the triangle yeah. of, uh, you know, our reform churches. So, and I think that would probably be like, yeah, the, the reason why they were like, no, we need our own thing. Yeah, they were concerned about the, the direction of the schools already back then, which is mm-hmm. some some definite foresight there for sure. Then she goes on to talk about uh, Skilder, um, yeah, and, and the disagreements between Skilder and Kuiper, and basically saying that almost nobody she interviewed could tell her the differences between that. No, even though she probably knew. Like, well, she, she did know, know, but she like, our people, she knew all the stuff going in. Yeah, people yeah. in our circles don't know, like... <clears throat> I, I, yeah, I could not tell you the, we nu- need to get the nuances. A, we need to get a historian on the podcast to to fill us in because I think a lot of this, like, um, the, we, I don't know if we're like embarrassed by it. Like, the, the history from, like, from Holland to here is something that we don't really think about a lot, maybe because we're like pretty close to it still, but yeah. we should really know why. Um, and the specifics behind the, you know, the men who were preaching certain things and why we split. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's in the pipeline. We'll, we'll definitely do a church history episode one of these days. Add her to the list. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Um, so that, yeah, basically more of that answer just goes on to explain the split and whatnot. But um, if people are interested, let us know. We can just post these answers somewhere, actually. And people can just read them themselves if they prefer to not hear us read them for the most part. Fair enough. Uh, so let us know. If Just send us a quick message if you want that. Um, okay, so moving on to another question here. So tied in with that. Uh, I wonder if she senses more ecumenical growing in our circles. Circles Can't talk today. Groups like ARPA and others have created working and respectful relationships with other Reformed Christians in a way that didn't even exist uh, just 20 years ago. Does Maria see uh, and does she sense an appetite for more federational unity? Or do people want to kind of maintain their canarchy distinctiveness? So Maria goes on to once again give a very long and thorough answer. Um but if, if you want to summarize that, uh, feel, I've been talking about, do you want to take a crack at that time? Oh uh, yeah. Like, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, we, we touched on this a bit too, um, the distinctiveness aspect of it in previous questions, but, um, yeah, the Canadian reform schools are usually open, um, only to the members of our churches, which is, so she studied the schools, but you know, yeah, I guess a lot of these questions are aimed at the churches. Um, and then she basically goes on to say, like, we have um, wider spread awareness of um, projects like ARPA, CARDIS, um, some of these, some of these like think tanks and stuff like that. But we don't really have any um, specific figures. Like she mentioned Jonathan Van Maren, um, who's a Netherlands reformed church yep. member. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, he's like, uh, probably people know his name. Um, 
he's from this yeah he's CCBR. from the yes. pro-life activist yeah so he's like doing all sorts of stuff and yeah. then he had like talks about um the danger of pornography in canadian reform schools uh, yeah in canadian reform schools even so yeah. so the, um yeah like we don't really have figures like that necessarily um but yeah then we are working at like there's a little, coordination. little more engagement and coordination. With There's like, coordination like, on a higher level in terms of these larger groups yeah. like an ARPA, like a CARDIS, like a CCBR, but less so locally was her her kind of analysis, if I, yeah. if I were to summarize it like yeah, that. Yeah, her, her last part here is pretty um, interesting, though. She said, furthermore, um, several respondents mentioned the care from communities, self-centeredness is a serious barrier that the church and its members should recognize and start addressing. An interest, an interest to be exposed to the diversity of views and perspectives is growing, and it is used is used as one of the arguments by those who think the King Reform School should be open to children of the Christian communities. So basically, um, yeah, are we too self-centered? Are we not as integrated into the broader Christian context as we should be or um, into other communities? So it gets back into like the argument of, you know, conservative versus liberal open the open the schools don't open schools kind of uh, yeah that's that's definitely a real nerve within the community so she hit on that yeah. quite well she knows where the pressure points are yep and that's i'm that's, sure as she went she was like oh, i'm gonna ask them this and that'll really get them going yeah <laughs> I bet. I but bet. uh yeah interesting yeah we'll file that one away for further discussion that's always a good good topic there in terms of schools and whatnot and then, you know, like two, you know, 20 years from now, maybe we'll fly out to Russia and interview again. <laughs> yeah, and just drive up to Ottawa. So, okay. Um, there was one other error. She just wanted to correct the record on that. At one point, she talks about uh, the Canterbury churches of having a membership of 10,000. Now, if I recall it correctly, I thought she was referring to 10,000 within Ontario, which seems like a oh, more accurate remember. number to me. But uh, if people if people heard that as 10,000 for the Federation... Um, the, the actual number is somewhere between 18 and 19. Uh, I have a reference here that Maria provided out of the 2018 uh, yearbook. Uh, and uh, it says more than 19,000 is the number. So mm -hmm. uh, if any uh, aspiring listeners or yeah, hardworking listeners want to write in, do, do some of the research and find the exact number, feel free and we'll, we'll share that. But it's somewhere in and around the... 18, 19, 20,000 marks, somewhere in there. Yep. I'll give myself a, a 2,000 range. Yeah, so I'm not too worried about it. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, somewhere between 10 and 50. Yeah, it's, so. it's, it's in the high teens to 20. So that's where we're yeah. at. That's just a minor, minor uh, factual uh, update there mm -hmm. for you. She also said uh, she was referenced Ajax instead of Scarborough. So she wanted to make that oh, clear. She meant to say horrible. Scarborough, which. Uh, you know, she's from Ottawa. We'll, we'll forgive her for that. Yeah, no Not getting her GTA terminology exactly correct. Yeah. I, I don't really know the differences. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was great. I'm really glad she she actually made the trip. I don't know if everyone caught that. She made the trip from Ottawa that day uh, with uh, her, and her husband. With, came her down. husband, yeah. Came yeah. all the way down from Ottawa just to come on our pod and came to our studio. So that was awesome. So we didn't have a uh, Zoom call. And we got to meet her. So it was amazing. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, so yeah. I guess maybe just to sum it up, she sees, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of change, a lot of things going on in the community. It's it's alive and well. There are yeah an increased there is I should say there is an increased amount of different opinions and perspectives. There's mm -hmm. definitely hot spots, uh, especially on the education file, in yeah. terms of uh, whether or not to open up schools to to more kids. Yeah, and. But 
but there also is a healthy balance i mm-hmm. think as well and overall so this is this is all feedback questions from from our listeners and, and <laughs> admittedly like most of these questions are like are trying to get at some of the pain points they're like hey yeah. what about this uh, yeah. but like when we talk to her you know usually this is these are episodes like for we get to talk about what the guests said after they were the guests yeah, which is like, always great oh dude like they're so they're so good after the camera or the cameras go off and the the mics yeah. shut off right but uh overall she was very like not necessarily surprised but like she really appreciated how our our community was like still still a thing like well, after and so many just, years and and like the the our the ability of our churches and schools to um retain membership of our of the kids yeah and it and she, in, and I don't think she in any way like made that seem like it was like, well, you just indoctrinate your kids and they're just like blindly following along, right? Like, oh, she praised it was the, very the critical much thinking, like, actually. Yeah, like quite a bit. You, yeah, you like a, you know, you're bringing your your kids up in a faith that's not like ungrounded, but then also like, you know, these kids are like really well integrated once they get out of here. So, yeah. and of course, she didn't want to like you know give her paper away, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's. So it struck me as like extremely positive. So yeah, overall. and also just she she's yeah stressed this again and again, but just how uh, open people were just to to be interviewed and to talk mm-hmm. and and very again as the response to this this podcast obviously indicates indicates that uh, people are interested in, in the results and yeah. interested in taking a look in the mirror mm-hmm. and seeing okay what are we about as a federation uh, you know what do we have to mm-hmm. work on and um, what have we done right in the past yeah. that's a really positive thing about our. Like that's healthy. To, to be said yeah that's, that's healthy. super healthy yeah that's really that shows a real critical mind like a real like yeah be, being able to actually have a conversation about yourself and being being willing to like accept the weaknesses that are presented to you like yeah. i think that's a good thing it's you know. yeah and not to beat this drum too much again but on the conservative liberal side of things but yeah we have to be careful on the one hand we can be thankful for what we have achieved mm-hmm. on the other hand look to change you know and look to improve like we shouldn't, we shouldn't carelessly, you know, denigrate the social institutions that, you know, our forefathers and and whatnot have. So yeah, yeah, we'll get, for the most part. We should get that on a mic episode. Carefully uh, made. Yeah, but um, on the other hand, like there's room to question existing structures and room to make change. Oh, I know where you pulled that from, it's Jordan Peterson's new book. Oh yeah, man. yeah. Don't definitely. needlessly denigrate the institutions that others have created or something. Yeah, that's got to be one of the rules, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's rule one there. But um, it's it's a good rule, man. And but also, you know. Uh, keep an eye on creative achievement. There's a lot of value there too, and yep. a lot of room for change. And so, mm-hmm. have have a balance. Have the conversation, which is what this platform is for. Yeah. And, well, hey, uh, and we're going through a new psalm book. That's like a new thing in our churches. True. True. Have you been doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Our churches are working through it. So far, I've heard no one say anything bad about it. So um, maybe eh. maybe that's yet to come. Maybe they're saving it all for like the last minute before we yeah, get people it. right in. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's really it's really good, really good move. So, so, all right. Well, I think that ends it off on a fairly positive note. There you um, go. Once again, thanks uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for thanks listening. listening. If you got this far in this uh, crazy feedback episode, appreciate all your support. And thanks uh, for Jeff and Maria. Thanks for coming on. Uh, yeah, they were both amazing. And uh, more to come. Yep. Check in every two weeks for sure. Talk to you soon, folks. Good. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Real Talk. You can send us your feedback by emailing us at reformedrealtalk at gmail.com. 
You can find us on social media by looking for the handle Reformed Real Talk. You can find us online by going to realtalkpodcast.ca. We look forward to your feedback as that's what helps us grow and improve as podcasters. Real Talk is produced by myself, Lucas Holpluer, Tyler Vanderwood, and Tim Van Wodenberg. The theme music was created by Calvin Hutton. The table and cabinet behind me were made by Ethan Vanderwood of Eureka Woods. And finally, this sign in the studio was made by Zebra Signs. That's it for now, folks. Catch you next time.